Welcome to The Art of Intimate Marriage with Dr. Jennifer Conzin. Sensitive yet frank advice for enjoying every benefit of one of God's most fundamental gifts. Dr. Conzin is a licensed marriage and family counselor, sex therapist, as well as an adjunct professor, award-winning researcher, author, and speaker. With today's conversation on the biblical approach to fulfilling intimacy in marriage, here's Jennifer. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Jennifer Conzin with The Art of Intimate Marriage. And we have spent some time recently talking about sensual touch and sexual touch and how to really engage in working through some of the challenges with that and how to improve that. And then we talked about some ways to really make sex fun. And you can go and listen to all of these previous broadcasts on my website, The Art of Intimate Marriage. Today, we're going to talk about something that comes up quite a bit for couples that come to see me. And that's when there's been some kind of hurt, betrayal that's happened in the marriage, and it's affecting the sexual relationship. So it may be that there's been an affair, or there may be that there's been some really difficult things that have been said or done, or one or the other partner might be have been involved in pornography. And so there may be some kind of relational or sexual betrayal. If there's a even an emotional affair where nothing sexual happened, but the relationship was uh, very problematic for the couple and it's affecting their marriage. Or maybe maybe you have been healing from that and yet not quite sure how to get back to having a healthy, sexual, fun, enjoyable, mutually satisfying sexual relationship. So that's what I'm going to cover today is some of the challenges that come up with betrayals and how to heal from them. So if this is your story where something's happened in your relationship, where there's been pain between you due to some choices that have been made, recovery from that and and it can be a process. And I love if you've ever listened to some of the music by the group Casting Crowns, I want to read to you one of their songs that really speaks to the healing process. So this is by Casting Crowns, and it goes, What do you think about when you look at me? I know we're not the fairy tale you dreamed we'd be. You wore the veil, you walked the aisle, you took my hand, and we dove into a mystery. How I wish we could go back to simpler times before all our scars and all our secrets were in the light. Now on this hallowed ground, we've drawn the battle lines. Will we make it through the night? It's going to take much more than promises this time. Only God can change our minds. Maybe you and I were never meant to be complete. Could we just be broken together? If you can bring your shattered dreams and I'll bring mine, could healing still be spoken and save us? The only way we'll last forever is broken together. How it must have been so lonely by my side. We were building kingdoms and chasing dreams and left love behind. 
I'm praying God will help our broken hearts align and we won't give up the fight. Maybe you and I were never meant to be complete. Could we just be broken together? If you can bring your shattered dreams and I'll bring mine, could healing still be spoken and save us? The only way we'll last forever is broken together. So these are the lyrics of the song Broken Together by Casting Crowns. And there's when people listen to the song or read out those lyrics or they read through them, there's usually quite a bit of emotion that comes up if if someone, if a couple has had different challenges, different betrayals that have happened where they have hurt each other. You know, he talks about in this song that, you know, can God change us? Maybe, maybe we just come together with our brokenness and live it together, and we realize that there are shattered dreams. Well, how do we get there? It's a beautiful song. How do we get there? You know, David somewhat addresses this in Psalm 55. This is in verses 12 and 13, where he says, If an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. If a foe were rising against me, I could hide. But it is you, a man like myself, my companion, my close friend, with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship at the house of God as we walked among the worshipers. One of the things that comes up for couples where there's been some pain between them, some kind of betrayal, is that uh, it's one thing for somebody to, a friend, a, a coworker, a neighbor, even a family member, another family member to to, to do something that, that hurts, that betrays, but it's you, I, my spouse with whom I've walked in sweet fellowship. You know, we've walked in the house of God together. So it's especially painful when the betrayal happens uh, between um, a couple that are believers in Jesus, are believers in the Bible. And then this comes along where there's trust, certain deep levels of trust that get broken. And it's hard to figure out how do we get on the other side of this? You know, couples don't get married <laughs> planning on betraying each other. They don't put the rings on and say, with this ring, I pledge to dishonor you. This, there's, there's not usually a plan for hurting one another. And then it happens, and there's some kind of abandonment. It's a breach of trust, some form of betrayal. And sometimes those things can be pretty seriously physical as well. If there's any form of sexual abuse that happens in marriage, any kind of difficulties that happen in regards to, like I said earlier, pornography, some kind of involvement in the term that sometimes uses cyber sex. When, when these kinds of either physical betrayals um, where someone has an affair or there's a betrayal in the relationship itself, the way that maybe sex was forced or the betrayal is more what someone involves themselves in, looking at images or interacting with people on um, social media. So these things can cause these deep experiences of abandonment, of a, a breach, a whole loss of trust. And it's important to give room to couples to work through that. As Christians, 
people can often say, oh, wow, good for you. You forgave your spouse. And people will receive that kind of pat on the back or good for you guys working through it. And so then the issue doesn't get talked about again. Uh, it's, you're supposed to be over it. You're supposed to be done. But unfortunately, it doesn't really happen that way for most. The pain comes back. It gets re-triggered. Uh, the pain might be associated with really hurtful comments. It might be have be associated with memories that, that keep popping up. Some, I, mean, I have couples, they'll come in and I'll do an assessment and ask the, the history of their relationship. And the betrayal happened on the honeymoon. So it can be long term for couples. And they might come in 20, 30 years in and they're supposed to be over and done with it, but it's still causing agony in different ways. And couples don't always know how to get number one through that and then how to return to a healthy sexual relationship. So one of the things that I help people with is what to do when things have been shared, a betrayal has been shared, either an affair or pornography, let's say. And how much detail do they talk about? How much questions should someone ask? That comes up quite a bit. And generally, I recommend that whoever has committed the betrayal is 100% open, that they need to be willing to ask, to answer, excuse me, any questions that they're given by their spouse. However, I, I always tell the spouse, you got to realize that you're going to hear the answers. And it may or may not be beneficial for you to know some details. So how detailed should you be? Should you know what color the person they had the affair with, what color their hair was, or what they wore, what they looked like? Do you need to know? And sometimes you do need to know who it is. Do you need to know what the, the different images were that they looked on the Internet? Do you need to know the specifics? Because if it puts pictures in your mind, you know, what positions did you use? That might not be information that's beneficial to your marriage, to your relationship, to your own process of recovery through it. So there's a there's some wisdom sometimes that needs to take place in just how much and how often we discuss things. So I help couples with number one, what to ask and how to answer. Well, that can be at the initial stage of recovery, of finding, uh, excuse me, discovery, finding out what happened. But then also it can occur over time. What happens when a month later, a couple months later, a year later, five years later, something gets triggered? So this happens when I've got a spouse who's been involved in pornography. They're doing well. They haven't been using anything. They haven't been looking maybe for even a while. And their spouse has a moment where they see their partner reach over and pick up their phone. And all of a sudden they get this flashback of and and they get flooded with emotion and pain and it's not associated with actual use, but just seeing their partner pick up their phone. So what do they do with that? Should they tell their partner? This comes up. It's what I would call a trauma response. We know this about PTSD, that people, when they've been in a war trauma or they've been a part of a natural disaster or they've witnessed violence, that they get flashbacks. Well, this happens when there's been a relational or sexual betrayal where Somebody will literally, they get flooded with emotion. It happens before they can even think about it. What can often happen is when they do tell their spouse, 
man, I saw you pick up your phone, or we saw that movie the other day, or I was listening to that song, or we went to that wedding, and I just got flooded. Then the person who who committed the betrayal will often say, oh my gosh, aren't you ever going to forgive me? Or really, this is still coming up for you? Or when are you going to let this go? There's all kinds of responses that can be quite problematic. And we Even in our church culture, we can call this holding a record of wrongs, that somebody is refusing to let it go, that, you know, they they aren't forgiving. And well, unfortunately, that's often not true. It's not an issue of not forgiving. It's because someone's literally having a triggered response to the trauma, meaning something triggered and they got flooded So what do you do in that moment? How can you have a healing connection when that happens? I tell spouses, if your spouse, if your partner becomes triggered and they share it with you, use it as an opportunity to validate them and, and let them know it's, I can totally understand that that would happen for you because I did those things. I committed that betrayal and it's coming up for you when you see me pick up the phone, when we watch that movie, when we go to that wedding. It makes sense. And I'm so sorry that this choice I made still comes up for you now, whether it's a month, whether it's a year, whether it's five years, whether it's 10 years. Slapping the label on you're keeping a record of wrongs, you're not forgiving is usually not super intimacy building, but instead listening and validating can just greatly relieve the distress that's caused. And it lets the partner know it's okay, I can share these things and we can work through it and come on the other side. So this is what I would call a healing or a trust building conversation. Couples can do it. They can come on the other side of betrayals. They can deal with trauma responses and have a greater connection at the end of it to work and walk and move through the pain and end up closer through it. I'm going to talk about some of the specific areas that bring up this disconnection and this pain and this trauma and and how to work through them. I've, I've kind of just given you an overview for now. But I do want to let you know that this this particular topic and others that we've been discussing can bring up a lot of challenges for you. It may bring up questions for you. It may bring up and resurrect pain. So be aware of your responses. It may you may have specific questions you want to send me. So I want to take a minute to just explain some ways you can get some additional help. You can send me an email. You can call me, uh, excuse me, you can um, email me at jenniferconzen at yahoo.com. My name at yahoo.com. You can go on my website and find all kinds of different pieces on there, theartofintimatemarriage.com. You can purchase my book. Go get my book. If you, if you need to work through some of these issues, it's got all kinds of exercises. Go buy The Art of Intimate Marriage on Amazon. You can find the link on my website. And then talking through these pieces, you may need some help with starting to talk. You can purchase my cards on my, from my website has the link. 
These are communication cards. So go buy some things. There are books. There are articles out there that you can read together to work through some of the challenges that come up and how to make things great on the other end. So go ahead and utilize those resources. If this is a program that you're feeling like, man, we need to get this out to a greater audience or more often, you can also go on my website and make a contribution. So let's return to the topic of how to deal with specific betrayals. Let me just say this. Sometimes the betrayal it involves sexual addiction and pornography. So this is not necessarily where there's been a physical affair, but where someone has been involved in compulsive masturbation, compulsive pornography use, and other forms of sexual addiction, like multiple different venues that they're getting involved in sexual activities. So what often happens for couples is that they wonder, okay, now we're doing better, but okay, so my spouse is in care, they're in a support group, they've got a therapist, they have a sponsor, my spouse is doing better. But how, how is it affecting our sexuality? Because it does. Um, sometimes couples have had in the past, their sexual relationship was really around maybe some of those uses themselves, whether it's around drugs and alcohol or whether it's around using pornography together. So those uses can affect how things go from now when we're no longer going to be involved in those things. So couples need to talk about, you know, how much do we include any of that background in what we're doing now? So that's a conversation to have because sometimes sexual bonding occurs. It's what you call traumatic bonding, where it only occurs when either substances are used or when couples use pornography. So when that's no longer there, how do you have genuine connection? And how do you build back desire? Because yes, the use of any kind of Pornography can affect levels of interest, levels of desire. It can affect problems with erection and ejaculation and reaching orgasm. So it can, it, you know, there are issues within specifically how things go from there on out during the process of recovery that sometimes people need to go and see a specialist, go see a sex therapist, go, go meet with a minister to talk through the problems they're having in their sexual relationship that are connected to the different things that their partner was using. So when things go bad, when when a couple has worked through those bad times, when they've learned how to communicate more, when they're doing better, how do they begin to build back trust? One of the pieces is really going back to communicating when the problems come up and it can happen even in the middle of the sexual relationship. So couples sometimes will begin engaging in sex and the spouse gets triggered while engaging. And that person will sometimes just continue to go on and have sex and have intercourse and not say a thing to their spouse. And I tell couples that may be problematic. If the triggering comes up where you're wondering, is my spouse 
thinking about pornography? Are they having flashes in their mind of the pictures that they saw? Are the things they want to engage in sexually affected by what they were watching? When those questions come up, sometimes they come up before and after sex, but sometimes they come up right in the middle of things. And yes, you may be in a point in your relationship where you can just go on and talk about it later, but often it's not beneficial to keep going. And it's, it can be helpful for a spouse to be able to say, hey, I'm feeling super triggered while we're, in, we're together right now, and I, I, I need to talk before we can go on. And then to have that healing conversation, this is what's coming up for me, I'm I have, I'm just flooded with anxiety, with wondering if you're, you're thinking of other pictures that you've seen, if, you know, if these things are going through your mind while we're engaging and for a spouse to be able to respond with, I can totally understand why you would wonder about that. And, you know, and to have a healthy conversation, sometimes couples can go back to engaging sexually, but sometimes then they might just need to hold each other and talk. This is a couple that's already through the depth of the violation and the pain. They've worked to a certain place where they can re-engage in sexuality. Well, when it gets triggered in the middle of it, maybe slow things down, sit together, hold each other and talk about it. And then, of course, sitting with somebody that you trust later and talking through it some more. So talking about when the trauma comes up is vital to the process of recovery from betrayal. It'll happen where sometimes somebody will, you know, get worried about a past sexual, uh, like an affair right in the middle of when they're engaging sexually. Pause talk about it. Some couples, again, can return to engaging and some need to just hold each other and then fall asleep and then engage at another time. You know, the reality that helps many couples in dealing with the rebuilding of trust, the ability to talk openly about sex, sexual betrayals and relational betrayals is to, is to understand that God understands betrayal. You know, when you look at Ezekiel 16 and Ezekiel 23, and I've spoken about this in a previous broadcast on God's view of sexuality. What does the Bible say about sex? You can go back and look at that. But when you look at Ezekiel 16 and 23, God is describing his relationship when people are worshiping other gods, and he's describing it using terms that we would use to describe adultery. God uses language about adultery to say, this is how you've betrayed me when you worship other gods. God understands betrayal and talks actually quite explicitly. Read the book of Hosea, where um, he's called to go and, and marry um, a prostitute, and then to bring her back into her home when she betrays him. God has lots of scriptures about betrayal and how he calls us to respond like him to one another in the process of healing. So for some couples that have experienced betrayal, just going back and thinking, okay, God understands. And how does, how does he want me to respond in this time can be super healing. God understands betrayal. So take some time to come together again as a couple and talk through the different challenges that come up around recovery. Return to closeness and trust. Have those healing conversations. Tell each other what comes up for you. 
just a reminder for spouses, when you're listening and, you're, and your spouse gets triggered and you're wanting to have a healing time, respond with humility. Own what happened. Express that your, you know, your agony at what the pain caused them. Let them know you, you want them to tell you when this happens for them and tell them it's understandable. Please share with me whenever this comes up for you. You have the ability to have healing conversations, even around betrayals and pain that has occurred between you. So this is Dr. Jennifer Konzen speaking about healing from sexual and relational betrayals. Feel free to go on my website for more information, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us for The Art of Intimate Marriage. Now, let's be real. This is not a typical radio program, and we know it generates questions. If you have one you'd like Dr. Kanzen to address here on air, email her at jenniferkanzen at yahoo.com. Kanzen is spelled K-O-N-Z-E-N. Jennifer Kanzen at yahoo.com. We hope today's program was beneficial to you. And if you agree this unique voice should be on the air, your donations will help keep it there. To give or to get more information about the ministry, Dr. Kanzen's Center for Sexuality in San Diego, or to get more resources for improving intimacy in marriage, visit us on the web at theartofintimatemarriage.com. And for more on experiencing the marriage God designed, join us this same time next week for The Art of Intimate Marriage.